You guys really take this long before it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a seamless transition. God damn, whoever edits this does a fucking fantastic job. <laughs> Between the thumbnails and the audio editing, right? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And I'm Chris. And this is Fools Who Tools, a podcast for the luxurious Luddite. So, gentlemen, how are we all? Uh, I get the feeling that when we speak to you two, uh, as in Brett and Chris, that it's going to go on for a little bit. So, Al, should we go first? Yeah, because I've got fuck all to say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did actually, uh, yesterday I met up with a guy called Phil, who's um, uh, maker in Leeds. He does oh, really cool stuff film. with. There's another fill to the list. Um, he another does cool fucking stuff with maker. another fucking leads. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, I, I totally didn't know he was this close. Um, and he just gave us a shout. Said, "Do you want to go for a drink?" So we had a few pints. He's um, he does a lot of work with like uh, CNC and laser um, nice. and plotters and vinyl and stuff. He's got some cool kit. Um, and he's he's just kind of getting started. So he's just working out kind of what it is that he wants to be doing. But it makes a lot of cool signage. Uh, he's been oh. making a few bits and bobs for other people. Um, but yeah, really nice guy. And I think he's really he's really into what we're, what we're doing. So I think he's, we're going to be seeing more of him. He's, he's, his his channel was called Whisperleaf, and it was just a bit oh, weird, and yeah. a bit twee. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But he's changed it now to Dark Star, and it just fits a bit more with what he's doing. He's doing lots of like cool like shit and like light lighting and stuff. It's it's cool. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I was following him, and then the name changed, and I suddenly saw Dark Star appear on my feed. I was like. <laughs> and what does he do? He does like uh, like signage, so he does like a lot of like laser engraving and CNC and um, yeah, just like really cool stuff with acrylic and light. So he, he puts a lot of LED lighting into stuff. It mm-hmm. just really it looks really cool. It makes like license plates, but like clear acrylic license plates. They just look, look, look. I'll send you a link. Dark star, dark star, yeah, license plates. <laughs> uh, cool. That sounds really good, and it's nice that you've met new people. Yeah, friends. Uh, yeah, friend, maker friend. Uh, what have I been up to? I have been on a late shift all week. So yesterday uh, was the first day off after the late shift and was a complete write off because I was basically, I, I got home at 6 a.m. the first morning, then 4 a.m., then 3 a.m., then 2 a.m. And yeah, it, it was not fun. But yesterday was also my birthday. So. Woo! I got spoiled and everyone sent me lovely messages and it was great. Thank you, everyone. Nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then today I've, like, so yesterday I just went down to um, see a couple of friends, um, had uh, coffee, came back, saw my dad, and then had a really, really chilled out evening with jazz. And it was super nice to actually sit down and chill out together. Um, and today I was supposed to be doing a load of other things. And instead I just, Organized my clothes like an adult, and it was weird. <laughs> so. rather be home and you know organize the Yankees or something. Yeah, so I've now got like three bin bags worth of clothes that I need to chuck out. What did you do for your but, birthday? Um, organize clothes. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm so rock and roll. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, like I said, it, it was really nice to actually just have a day off where I wasn't running around doing a load of other things and just actually so. That was noise. Uh, and Brett, do you want to just quickly say what you've been up to, and then we'll 
let Chris do a proper introduction and tell everyone who he is. Yeah. Uh, so last week, since last we recorded, I was working on the the project that I was kind of hinting at. Um, I was electro etching some brass, which I've never done before, and um, I had to leave it where it lies at the at the moment. Um, it started coming out really well, so I'll I'll do a little bit more talking about that in the future once the project gets a little further along. Um, doing the stuff in the shop, still making progress in terms of prepping for the classes, and then Saturday morning. I left at four thirty, five o'clock and drove down to see Chris because there was a hammer in at Baltimore Knife and Sword. Chris is friends with them and it's actually where we met two years ago. Yep. So it was really nice to come back two years later. Knowledge went from uh, in the last two years. I, I When I showed up at the hammer in two years ago, I knew very little about smithing and I made a railroad spike knife and it was terrible and everyone was telling everything that I was doing wrong. And I was, I don't know, in a weird headspace Cause I was just like, everybody was watching me. I didn't know what I was doing, but I really wanted to try. Um, this year I didn't do a single project while I was there. We just hung out because Chris knows everybody and everybody knows Chris. <laughs> it was a really nice situation. I got to hang out with Ilya and Matt. Nice. I had a really nice long talk with Ilya and I yeah, may not have commissioned a hammer with from Ilya. Nice. <laughs> As I, say, so, I, I saw on, on Chris's Instagram that you were uh, like having a, a little tete-a-tete with, uh, with Ilya. And I was like, oh, man. Dude, he is <laughs> honestly, awesome. he is. Brett loves Ilya. <laughs> loves now, honestly, I think, meeting. I think somebody, that's something that we share. I fucking love the guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's super talented. And yeah. after our chat yesterday, I realized that he, he honestly really wants to share all yeah. of his knowledge and he's very willing to do so as talented as, as he is. He's extremely humble about it. Very and I wouldn't nice. even say humble by being like, Oh, my stuff's not that good. And it's okay. <laughs> it's, it, there's no even discussion there. It's it's like, Hey man, I really like your hammers hammers. And he'll go, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of work, but I'm glad you like him. And that's like, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> go overboard with the humbleness, but yeah. He's and clearly he, more talented than he gives himself credit for. Yeah, it's not even talent in the blacksmithing world. His engraving is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, yeah. Me and Brett watched him uh, do a handle for a hammer that he sold yesterday in no time flat, and it was beautiful looking, and the guy is super, super, super talented. So Yeah, cool. And now I'm at Chris's because we are working on a project as well. Um. Not really going to talk about it because we got plenty of other shit to say. <laughs> I want to kick it over to Chris. Hello, Chris. Chris. Introduce yourself. Tell everyone who you are. I am Chris from Mount Phillip Metalworks. I am a single Mount Phillip. Yeah, Mount, not Mount Phillips. Phillips. I Steve loves Phillips. saying Phillips. <laughs> he loves putting the S on the end of Philip. But that's okay. I'm fine with it. It's better than uh, I've met people in, in real life that follow me on Instagram and they say, oh, you're Chris Philip," And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's no. two names. Yeah. I said, no, it's just uh, Chris from Mount Philip Metalworks. Which is, um, and, and I have to explain, it's just the 
road that I live on is called Mount Phillip. <laughs> there's no, there's no like crazy meaning behind it. it happens to be, and I like metal. So it was Mount yeah. Phillip Metalworks. And, uh, there's a whole another backstory as to why it is called Mount Phillip Metalworks, but that'll be for a, another podcast. It's for the after show. <laughs> yeah, it's for the after show. Exactly. So I, uh, um, I'm very passionate about blacksmithing, fabrication, welding, anything having to do with metal. And um, I created a thing in which I travel the country and buy tools and buy shops and um, pretty much anything old. I don't really mess with that much modern equipment. And uh, yeah, and then I um, essentially uh, put it where it belongs in other people's shops. All the stuff that I have, I don't want any of it. I was just telling Brett that before we came in the house. Uh, I want it all to be in other people's shops. Yeah. So, Those tools where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice way of putting it. Because so, I, I, one of the questions that I never got to ask you uh, when we met, and something that I really should have done, is... How did you actually get into it then? Did you start collecting tools first or did you start doing metal work first? And so kind I've of- been a auto body repair technician for my entire life. Ever since I was old enough to work, I started doing that at 16 and I became a um, structural auto body repairman, which means I was putting, I was pulling frames and putting frames back together on cars that uh, were really, really messed up. And yeah. in, 2005 um all the frame machines in the united states were being bought from sweden and all the older guys didn't want to learn the metric system so i learned the (laughs) metric system and all the cars were measured in the metric system because the frame machines that were used to measure the cars came from sweden so i picked that up because none of the older fellas wanted to learn it and i started doing it as a profession and i became the guy that fixes frames because nobody else wanted to do it yeah yeah um, so yeah and then the um as far as the (laughs) tools and uh blacksmithing goes i was doing uh found metal sculpture uh which was basically i would go to auctions farm auctions and stuff like that and i would um get old pieces of farm equipment and i would weld these sculptures together yeah and i did that for probably six years just on the side and me and my wife, we own a uh, 15 space parking lot directly in front of our house. And we would set up there on Memorial on a holiday weekend yeah. and we would sell all the sculptures that I made over the years or over the course of one year. I'm sorry, not over the yeah. year, over the course of one year we'd set up and um, it became very successful. And I had an older gentleman stop by and ask me if I had ever looked into blacksmithing and he, uh, asked me if I wanted to come over to his place and we heated up a piece of metal and I was like, Oh, this is cool. I wasn't super into it, but you know, and uh, so I went to a demonstration. Um, My now very good friend, Matt Harris is an artist blacksmith in Maryland. And I went to his place and it was a hammer in, in 2008, I believe, or nine. And they were making an anvil under the forging press, just a, just a small uh, 10 pound, anvil and at the time i i didn't even know what an anvil was i'm going to be completely honest uh i was like so novice to any of it and they created the anvil and i wasn't that too into it i stayed there for maybe an hour the next year i went there he made this amazing sculpture where he put a four inch solid round 
billet into this giant forge that he has, and he has a nice power hammer, and he created this huge flower and this leaf. And the um, that dragon twist technique is that's yeah. when he showed me all that. Uh, and um, after that, I left and I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not welding <laughs> together anymore. So I got a little uh, rivet coal forge and I started out from there. And then it just became I was looking for tools for myself and we come across an abundance of tools at one time, be it hammers or tongs or what have you. And guys are like, oh, if you have anything extra, I'll take some extra stuff. And then it turned into, um, as of recently, within the last year or so, I really did it heavily and started doing it full time and quit yeah. my day job and started doing the tool thing full time. And so far, so good. Um, it's... Uh, there's, I was I was very successful in the auto body world as far as uh, money goes, and I was doing very well, but I was not happy. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot to be said for uh, happiness. Is, oh, that, is that, Chris, because the, there wasn't enough that was sort of like artistic license for you? You weren't being able to kind of control creativity as much if you're doing like structural work? What What was the difference? I think the... Um, the process of repeating the same thing day in and day out as far as the, the accidents and the repair process would be different, but in, in the long run, it was all the same process over and over right. and over. So yeah. I'd been doing it for um, 18 years. <laughs> I started in 2000 and um, it just became monotonous. And it was just, like I said, the money was fantastic. Everything that anybody could ever want. All my friends were saying, I can't believe you're quitting this job. And it's like, <laughs> well, for the last five years, I'm miserable. Now I go to bed every night with a smile on my face and wake up with a smile on my face. So yeah, there's a lot to be awesome. said for that. Yeah, a so. hell of a lot. But like you yeah. say, you know, you, you, you can be good at something, but if you're not if you're not learning new things every day, or if you're not pushing yourself, it's like yeah. you need to move on regardless of yeah money or exactly. <laughs> stability. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. And now I get um, the calls. It happened last year. I bought a fairly big shop, and now I've been buying shops like. <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds like a, a you know a shop could be just uh, as far as blacksmithing goes. And I do tend to focus just on blacksmithing tools because um, I'm very passionate about old blacksmithing tools, and they tend to be sought after. Um, yeah. They're not as common. Uh, so when I say I buy a shop, sometimes it could be, you know, two anvils, a bunch of tongs and a forge, you know, yeah. or a vice or something like that. Um, and uh, the vices, I, the vices just kind of like fell into my lap. And there was two kinds of people I was like selling to. It was the guy that didn't have time to go out and look for them. And he just wanted to buy the vice and mount it to his bench and be done, you know. Yeah. And then there were guys that couldn't find them. You know, right. they'd go yeah. out and look for them and they couldn't find them. So um, that's kind of how the vice thing took off. And I kind of created like a niche market where everybody's like, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to be restoring these. Well, I don't even want to say restore is kind of a weird word, but yeah, <laughs> back I mean, and working yeah. Order, but you know, I've heard you guys <laughs> say like, uh, and it is a thing on YouTube, especially with the restoration and Eric from Hint Tool Rescue talks about it a lot um, as far as everybody labeling. Every uh, yeah. restoration, but yeah. the scale that I'm doing it on falls into a completely different <laughs> <category>. <laughs> yeah. because I'm doing like, you know, there'll be some weeks where I'll do seven, eight, nine of them at a time and need to have them ready for the next week. 
And yeah. there was almost a time when I stopped doing them and I, I, I was just like getting burned out on them. And then it came to the point where I didn't have any ready to go because I was, I was only selling them fully restored. I wouldn't sell them because I life. And that was another thing I didn't mention. I lifetime warranty all these hundred year old tools that I sell. <laughs> so if they, uh, you know, if something breaks or, um, you know, they have a problem with it, they can bring it back. And that was kind of another business model that I was doing. With bring it back. This has uh, two gigantic dogs. Yeah. My <laughs> they, uh, they could bring back the hundred year old tool if it broke. And I would either give them a new one or find something comparable to it to uh, yeah. replace it. So that became a, um, you know, a thing. I wanted guys to keep coming back to me to get yeah. stuff. So I kind of had to add a little something, you know, you guys talked last, last uh, week you guys talked about, or, yeah, last week you guys talked about warranty and stuff on mm. the newer yeah. stuff. And uh, guys are like, when they leave, they kind of smile. And I'm like, yeah, it's lifetime warranty too. And they're like, yeah, right. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like if something happens, <laughs> yeah. bring it back and I'll fix. I had a guy drive. It sounds strange, but uh, I had a guy drive three hours last week for a, uh, there's a part on a, a post place called a thrush washer. And it has a specific oh. level to fit the handle and his broke, it was wrought iron and it broke and he didn't know how to fix it. He didn't have like a MIG welder or nothing, no idea how to fix it. So he drove three hours back to my shop to get another thrush washer, (laughs) which was odd, but you know, he was like, Oh yeah, you, you said you warranty it. I bought it two years ago. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) if you want to drive three hours for a washer, by all means. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. uh, Yeah. So then I, I started buying, the shop thing just started like falling into my lap. As soon as I would like slow down, as far as finding tools would go, something would happen like really big. Yeah. It just kept snowballing after that. I would just get random calls um, about, Oh, so-and-so told me you were looking for blacksmith tools. Well, I have this whole shop and I'd like to get rid of it all. And what a lot of it is right now is it's um, guys either retiring or they bought all this stuff excuse me, they bought all this stuff a couple of years ago and just came to the realization that they'll never use it. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much in every day. Brett got to see a little bit of it uh, today. Guys walk in the shop and they kind of hang out and shop around because I have like a sort, it's a dirty word to say, but I kind of have a retail side of my shop. Yeah. And Brett's like, <laughs> like you need to like go over there and talk to those guys. I was like, no, they, these guys come in all the time and they walk around and they pick up. A and I give them a price on it. And pretty much. I like it. It's pretty awesome. The guy got a couple of tongs and then just kind of, he, he goes, Oh, okay. Are you ready? And he goes, well, yeah, can I just watch for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people just come over and kind of just hang in the shop because, uh, I guess there's, well, I know there's not in my area. I'm pretty fortunate. There's a lot of blacksmiths in my area, right. but, um, yeah. these guys that are just getting into it are just buying tools that the only, the only time they've ever got to see any of this was on the internet. So when they come here yeah. and there's four power hammers and the guy, <laughs> uh, there's a guy hammering steel on a 600 pound anvil. They just all stop with their jaws dragging on the ground. <laughs> Let me just interject and say that forging on a 600 pound anvil is like the greatest thing. On- <laughs> <laughs> we were actually right before the podcast, we were both, I was working on a small piece of steel and Chris was tweaking another piece that we were working on at the same time. Because that's yeah. how big the anvil face was that we were both. <laughs> nice. He goes, yeah. Chris goes, 
You know your anvil's big when when you can have <laughs> workstations on either side. Of it. Yeah, but <laughs> with the, uh... the anvil and the other tools, I keep everything that's kind of mediocre. The 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 anvil, um, you know, not to harp on blacksmithing a whole lot, but the anvil is my main. That was like my crown jewel of everything. Everything, all my tools in my shop. Everything else I have is subpar. I sell all the good stuff. I sell anything like that really is really nice and immaculate. I sell it to other people or a lot of times I'll give stuff away or, you know, you guys talked about the uh, uh, keeping the, you know, if you don't have an old tool or if you have old tools laying around to give it to somebody that could use it. Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of that um, when, especially with younger guys that come in and their fathers bring them, I'll give them tools because they're, you know, any kid that doesn't want to sit inside and play video games all day and actually wants to go get dirty, I'm 100% behind. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, I encourage that. So. It's, it's really weird. I got my, um, I actually got my maker knife from Jacko yesterday. Yeah. Um, the ROU maker knife. And it was, yeah. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to use this. Like, it's too nice for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a piece of shit like everything else I own. And I was yeah. just like, I, I was really tempted just like, do I just keep it in the box? Is this like really cool piece of history? And yeah. just like, don't touch it at all. And it's probably going to be worth more or something. I was like, no, I've got, I've got to get it out. And it was <laughs> super sexy. Like, I'm, I'm glad I did. But yeah, part of me was kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I'd rather just have like a shitty knife. Right. <laughs> yeah. And this can just be on the shelf because it's cool. But yeah, once you get using it, you're like, yeah, no, this is, this is a really good tool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, mean, no, I do love, I do love Chris. Your kind of, I, I, I don't know. I think you're in the rarity of, of of guys in your field where actually you you don't want to keep hold of the shit. Yeah, like listen, <laughs> listening to 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 the guys on the the Fit Soul podcast, and they're just like, <laughs> you know, everybody's like, I'm, it's not for sale. Like, you, yeah. you just travel all this way, you come around and see some things. Like, yeah, no, that's not for sale. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny because I I happen to exist around one of those people on that <laughs> who will show up to a junkyard antique old work yard or something and get mad at the people that don't want to sell their old stuff. Right. It's like, yeah. You are the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> you have seven letter presses and none of them will go away. Yep. Yeah. But when you, t- when you turned up Chris to um, actually to Jimmy's class and you just had like a truck full of just really cool stuff, you could just tell that, that energy and like it just infected everyone like yeah. everyone was you just like lifted the room because of all this fun stuff that you brought right. and you were like you were wanting people to take stuff like i want you to have this you know oh, yeah, the stuff's just yeah. fun or cool or like you get an anvil valley old yeah. rot and like just would have never been able to find an anvil yeah <laughs> and you made it happen which is awesome <laughs> yeah but I, yeah. I like just from a personal perspective and especially as much as i've gotten to spend time around chris these last couple of days the I'm, I'm I'm right there with you, Al, that I, I think one of my favorite things that I've learned about Chris um, in the time that we've been really chatting with each other is there is a difference in the dynamic of a way or blacksmithing stuff aside. It's the people with the knowledge or the the eye for the right tools or at least the attitude that he brings to it, yeah. which is wanting to help people or wanting to get. Anybody that doesn't have the right tool, you know, like I've got 20 yeah. of them. Like pick one, please take <laughs> yeah. it, go do something nice. I, with I, told, it. I told you that the first five seconds you were in my shop. Advice, <laughs> <laughs> it's from Kansas City. That's wrong. I'm like, go put it in your truck. <laughs> it's, and I've never seen a vice marked yeah. with Kansas City on it. It's really cool. But 
there are a lot this of people. Just quickly, like, like engraving it in last night before you turned up. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a few But I, I've experienced enough people in the in the community, and Al, I know you've specifically talked about this, or, or you've mentioned it at the end of one of our podcasts. You're like, let's keep this dynamic alive in the community that where we can all help each other out, and you never know what a difference a tool could make to somebody. You know, Chris being able to be a hub to distribute things that will hopefully benefit other people's lives, be it blacksmithing specifically, or just making stuff, having a creative outlet. You clearly went through a situation where you had a good paying job and you could support yourself doing it. And you chose to go in this direction. Right. And what you want to spread with that is very apparent in terms of what you said. I wake up happy. I go to sleep happy. Yes. Most I'm pretty sure most of us would like to have that same experience every day. What's sleep? (laughs) Yeah, what's sleep? But it's it. Honestly, I find it very rare. Yeah, it 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 seems to be that you know hold everything precious or it's my stuff. This is my stuff. No, it wasn't. This machine was six other people's possession before it got to your hands. I just want to keep it going down the line. Like this, this tool has a story. And has history to it, and and like last year or last week, pedigree. You know, yeah, it might be an amazing brand that's lasted 150 years, and you don't have a problem going. May it go another 50 years in your hands, right? Yeah, it's not a very regular thing. I mean, because one of the things that I I fucking love is the fact that uh, when you're restoring uh, these old tools, it's the fact that you're you're putting them back into service and not just selling them at an extortionate price to someone that's going to hang them on the wall. Um, Cause that's one of the things that we see uh, over here a lot is <laughs> uh, one of the things we see over here a lot is, especially with um, a lot of the old blacksmithing stuff, is the fact that people will, um, they'll, they'll buy it up and they'll, they won't even restore it. They'll, they'll just sell it. Away. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they'll sell it to someone to put, go hang on a wall or, or yeah. in their garden or whatever. And and one of the reasons I've got, I've been buying up um, uh, vices is for the same thing. It's the fact that You're I've got... You're a hoarder. But the small vices, I'm like, I've got a couple of vices that I actually wanted for the shop that I've got and, you know, I'm, I'm set for them unless I suddenly expand and, and like, uh, have a shop that's four times the size. I don't need the vices I've got. Yeah. But I will still buy if I see a cheap old um, leg vice kicking around. I'll still buy it. Yeah. Um, I've got three at the moment that need restoring, and as soon as they're done, I can sell them on then. And again, like I want to sell them on to people that are actually going to use them. Um, and I kind of love the fact that uh, I've I've had people that have um, offered me money off when I've been buying something if I'm going to be actually using it, or as soon as I've said that I'm going to be using it. And and the same thing of being able to go and buy. Uh, I was at a flea market the other day and picked up, uh, picked up a vice, um, really? and <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and uh, I, I ended up buying two vices and an anvil that day, as well as a load of other shit. Um, but uh, but yeah, picked up picked up the vice and started looking at this. Uh, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, that's." Uh, I think he started at like eight. Uh, no, not eighty. Uh, he started at sixty quid, uh, and then was like, "Oh, but if you take it away now, I'll, I'll sell it to you 50. 50 because i was like uh you know it's the first literally the first uh place i've been at 
And um, and he was a bit like, oh yeah, you won't, you won't see one like that for for that cheap. And I was like, no, I picked up a few that are cheaper than this. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look around and, and see what else. And uh, and like halfway through uh, the flea market, picked up another one that was thirty quid. It was bigger, it was in better nick, and it was much much nicer. And kind of the guy was like thirty quid and just had his hand off. And um, went back to the original guy and was like, well, I've just got this for thirty quid. Uh, how much are you gonna? Sell me that one for then, and eventually he did actually come down on the price, and and that was great because that one ended up being used in the workshop for the students. But there does seem to be a real uh, thing, especially in the UK, of people um, buying up old tools just to just to sell to people, sell to hipsters for extortionate amounts of money, um, just to hang on walls and things like that. And I just wondered if that was something that happened over there as well, or if you've got any experience with that, or if you've managed to kind of save at all from hanging on a wall from a hipster's shop yeah (laughs) (laughs) so the guys that i'm primarily selling to are either um beginners as far as they've watched the show and they want to start blacksmithing which i'm not what show would that be (laughs) (laughs) i'm not uh i'm not opposed to um uh Helping anybody as far as three different people today, if they were getting into knife making, well, yeah, (laughs) that is a clear sign of like, all right, so you're just starting out because they admit it to you, and you go, so you probably watch Forge and Fire. Do you want to make knives? Yes, that is 90% of the people that come through the shop are that, but I will tell you, and this has happened uh, on multiple occasions. Uh, the show's probably, I want to say, five years old, four years old now. But, uh, so yeah. four or five years ago when I was selling tools on the side and still working my day job, the guys that I sold tools to called me and said, hey, I bought this from you four years ago. You want to buy it back? Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so the guy, I know I, I kind of can gauge and not not pass judgment on anybody or anything like that, but I can kind of gauge how long they're going to own that tool, you know. Yeah. You can kind of see if they watched the show Friday night and they came to my shop Saturday. I, I kind of get, <laughs> you know, I get that feeling. And then again, we have a big, uh, I have a big blacksmith community uh, where I'm at within a 30 mile radius. There's probably, uh, there's probably 10 functional blacksmith shops that are actually yeah. producing ironwork every day and, whether it be on the fabrication side as far as hand railings and stuff like that, or just um, sculptural work. Uh, so I get that, that kind of uh customer as well. The guys that are doing it every single day that call me up that need a very specific tool to see if I yeah. have. It. So, but yeah, most of the sale, most of the sales are going to, uh, well, the guy today that was that came, he was 66 years old and he was retiring and wanted to start making knives now. Nice. So I get a lot of that. Which and he was, that- he he just seems like a good guy that wants to do something with the yeah, rest just of the wants to, yeah yeah it's it runs the full spectrum of i wouldn't even i i'd say maybe i've gotten one hipster that's came in but um i heard amrils were really yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah i get i i i can't say that i have uh sold anything to anybody that wants to hang it on the wall um oh. Yeah, so everything's Thank been goodness. yeah, everything's been <laughs> gone into uh and my tools kind of fall into the user category too. I don't have um I don't have anything that's like how do I say like uh collector uh worthy so to speak because I don't yeah. I don't seek that stuff. I don't go out looking for the 
five pound hay button that'll bring ten thousand dollars. <laughs> You'll go I, pick it up. Oh, I'll go pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't go seeking that stuff. The stuff I wanna I wanna get is the stuff that guys like us four can use in their shops and you yeah. know start using again. So yeah. That's nice. great. And I, I like Steve, I like your kind of um attitude of it's this price. Unless you're going to use it, then it's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> there should be a rule. There should be like two tickets on everything. Yeah, yeah. that's strange too. I've never heard. I've never had anybody do that to me before. <laughs> I, might have, I might have to try that as a bargaining technique. Say, well, what is it if I use it? Does it yeah. get cheaper? Oh, you use it. I Does it get more it. expensive if I tell you I'm a nice person? Yeah. yeah. If I hang it on the wall, is it more? Because <laughs> that, that was the thing. Is it literally the guy, uh, it was at the another flea market. And um and I picked it up and started looking at it, and the guy said however much it was. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, that's a shame. I could really do with one. And he went, oh, well, what what'd you do then? And I said, oh, yeah, I do a bit of blacksmithing. I'm just starting out and, and all this. And he went, oh, oh, well, if you're going to use it, in that case, it's X amount, which was like a good 20 bucks off sort of thing. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's done. And that's, and that's how I ended up with it. Um, we've talked about this, but I, I want to kind of present – a different topic based on what you do. I've asked you what, what would you do full time? Because you are doing this now full time, this what would I do? putting tools in people's hands and everything like that. Yeah. But there is something specific that you do that is very, very, I, I, I find it quite amazing that you do some of the things that you do. Tell the other people about it. So if I could, my main passion is uh, sculptural work, uh, freestanding sculptures, wall hanging sculptures. Uh, I took a liking to the blacksmith aspect because of uh, the art. I like, I like the art <laughs> aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I didn't care about the knives, the uh, axes, the you know sharp stuff is not my thing. Yeah. Not nothing against it. It just wasn't what got my juices flowing, so to speak. So, yeah, if I could do sculpture work full time, I would do that full time. But uh, as of right now, it's a good it's a good balance where I can have free time to do sculpture work. And then, yeah. you know, I have to fix tools and sell tools and do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, um, sculpture work would be the that would be ideal. Nice. Maybe one day. But as of right now, I'm 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 totally happy with what I'm doing. I've never been happier in my life. I'm 36 years old and I've. It's not a joke when I say I go to bed every night with a smile on my face. Like yeah. it is 100% <laughs> truth. And it's like, and it's still, I've only been doing it full time since September. So it's only been, you know, six, six months now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 So, I must admit, it like, still doesn't feel real though. After six months, it still doesn't feel real. And I've talked yeah. to, I've talked to you, Steve, in, in uh, messages and stuff. I'm like, wait till it happens because it is ah, like, I can't wait. It's, it's, <laughs> So it's true. a different feeling, that's for sure. Yeah, because I mean, I, I must admit, one of the uh, one of the things I really, really love about your Instagram is the fact that um, it will be like a load of random old tools and things like, especially in the stories and things like that. All these random old tools, and then just kind of out of nowhere, this beautiful freestanding sculpture that that you're just like, oh yeah, I've just been working on this in the background. <laughs> why have i not seen this before that's amazing <laughs> this is the, the reason i even bring it up is because i i think it's a really awesome dynamic to have it's somebody that appreciates the yeah. tool that that 
knows, you know, basic to mid-level smithing. Right. You don't go around telling people you're an expert. No. 50-year-long, no, you know, not in blacksmith. I tell everybody I'm, I'm extremely novice in this. I'm, I'm not – I don't uh, perceive myself as any – when I was a body man for 18 years, I never told anybody I was a body man. I was not a body man. <laughs> you know, and that was like the, the technical there was like, what do you do for a living? It's like, I fix cars. Oh, what do you do? Yeah. How do you fix them? I'm like, I just fix them. I'm not like <laughs> But I, I – the aspect of it that I latch on to is the fact that you have a you have a creative mind. You have an artistic – brain behind everything that you're doing so the fact that you're you know fixing some tools up and putting them in people's hands but really like deep-seated you're quite a creative person that does a lot of exploration it's not that you attack this thing knowing exactly what you want it to look like because you're an artist it's more the creativity and the moving of the metal and just seeing what it does and having fun with it and then being able to let other people see that that's also an option. If you want to yeah. come in and look at stuff to make knives, that's great. But this thing, yeah, I made this weird thing behind yeah. me. You could also yeah. do that. I do enjoy the weirdness. I like, <laughs> I like, I like heating up a piece. I love heating up a piece of metal and just watching it. Like a lot of the sculptural elements and stuff that I add oh, to yeah. some of the pieces I do, I just heat it up and let it do its thing. Like, and I try to explain that to people. It's like, don't I? I tell everybody when you whether whether it be teaching or somebody in the shop, I'm like, don't look at the, don't try and picture the final product, because you might work this piece of metal for an hour and it would be 180 yeah. degrees from what you thought it was gonna do. So I, I do like that. I like just abstract art. Ironwork is amazing to me, yeah. and I love love sculptural design and and stuff like that. But I don't get too uh, too technical with anything that I do, though. I enjoy being kind of a hacky, like you know, <laughs> I don't care about being precise and all this wedging and you know, I just like you know, I love having fun and I want to do my own thing. Just as a, a bit of a, a counter to that, because I've, I've seen some of the stuff you've done and I, I fucking I love it. And it's it's the stuff that, that I look at and go, fuck, I'd, I'd love to try that. And and yeah, there, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to try on that. But there's, I think you're underselling yourself a bit there because there are there are skills and techniques and you can see that when you've um, when you've worked on something, when you've done something, you you might not necessarily know where it's going. But that next heat, you're like, actually, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. And you know that you know, what you're going to do isn't going to completely fuck it up or ruin it. And I think because you've got a good understanding of those basic techniques and those basic um, uh, like processes that people that, that right. go through that, 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 that Smiths have, like the fact that you've got that understanding means that that enables you to, to do that kind of exploring and creating and, right. and having fun rather than just like, because we do it with when we've got students in, we we give them a bit of metal and say, right, heat that up and just hit it, just yeah. do whatever you want with it. Like have a bit of fun just to see how the metal moves. And and whereas with you, you're not just seeing how the metal moves, you're seeing how you're. It's more you're showing your uh, impact on the metal rather than just seeing how the metal moves. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you uh, you're underselling yourself a little bit there. Well, I I I, I want to say that like I'm not. Um... For one, I don't do any commission work. I, yeah. Everything I do is for me. And people say, well, how do you sell this stuff? I say, I make it for myself. And if somebody comes in and they want to buy it, then I'll sell it. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't, I don't make anything with the intention of putting it on somebody's coffee table or hang on their wall. Yeah. I make, Which I think is a really good way of going about it. Yeah. I mean, that's how some of the 
my favorite things. I mean, Brett's keeps staring at a piece that's on the wall now, but I, I and that was a completely, I was in a weird um, creative funk for about a week and I just wasn't feeling anything I was doing and I was kind of down on myself. And then I did no drawing, no visual picture in my head. And I just started moving metal in a certain way. And I came up with this really nice design that I like that hangs in my dining room now. And it's like one of the few pieces that it's ridiculous. It's yeah. super, <laughs> super, super cool. I, these are those aspects. I wish we actually had some visual accompaniment to yeah. our audio listeners, but it's really, it's really beautiful. And it looks like a bunch of organic, I don't know, corn stalks or some yeah, kind, my of kind of beautiful vegetation hung up around a, a riveted frame and it kind of organically flows throughout it. So just seeing that you're like, yeah, sometimes I just make weird shit. That also kind of makes me happy. I'm like, that's really cool. That is a very good. <laughs> so, so a lot of my sculptures end up where I'll make a ton of different elements with no idea how uh, the composition is going to be. And I'll make them lay them all out on the table and go, Oh, that kind of looks cool like this. Let me flip this. And then I'll be like, Oh, that kind of looks cool. That looks better this way. And a lot of my stuff works out that way. I don't, like I said, I don't go into any project with the intention of a final piece in my head. And from the second I heat up the bar of steel to the very end of the project, I never have a, a final uh, design idea in my head or a final picture in my head of what I want it to look like. So, yeah. Al is muted, but I'm it's muted. Al- that's, <laughs> that's ironic. And yeah, I think that, that it what would never the be finished. The internet. You, what the fuck? <laughs> You'd never get to to an end point, you know. If if you if you're anything like me, like there isn't there isn't like an end product. It's like I'm gonna make it, see what happens. Yes, keep going until I'm happy. But like to to have like a really precise, specific end goal is like totally not how my brain works. But that is 100 percent true. I have yeah. to pull my. I'll, I'll tell my wife to come out in the shop sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> look at this and tell me what you think. Is this done? <laughs> is it done yet? Like, oh my god! And of course, you know my, my wife. But she's like, oh, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm like, really? I think it looks like shit. <laughs> but I, th- I think I think Steve made a really good point about um, understanding the processes and understanding the tools. So I think what you're doing with tools is really helpful because you, you're understanding that's what this is for. That's what this is for. I can right. then go and fuck around with it. Or find some really interesting tool that like is for a really specific job. And you're like, you know what that would be really cool with? Trying it something different. And I think it's it's not just smithing. There's like there's loads of disciplines where that's the same. You know, you see guys we've got this table saw, this is, you know, if you're just cutting cheat goods, whatever, running it down. But then the second somebody masters it and then starts going, hang on a minute, what if I like try and turn some table legs on this on this table saw or I'll try yeah. and make a bowling ball or actually like just fucking around and going what's the limitations of this you know what what happens when I twist this metal what happens when I do something a little bit differently and you start getting these organic like interesting unique pieces you know right. I think I think that's when it, it starts to get interesting yeah I do like that aspect of it yeah it's been really fun too uh specifically talking about the, the little project that we're working on today um it's been half fun. <laughs> we had a weird. We, weird may, we may or may not have had bad sausage yesterday. <laughs> we, the jury's still out on whether or not we had bad food yesterday. Oh no! <laughs> both did not feel we very both good. Did not feel one hundred percent up to par this morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but speaking specifically on the on the topic of like learning what tools do and then how you can kind of play with them and execute accordingly. Again, like Al said, that 
works for a lot of different disciplines. You know, you can master a tool and then figure out 15 different uses for an angle grinder, which is why Steve sharpens knives upside down like an idiot. Which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is amazing. Watch the control. Oh, absolutely. It's ridiculous. But um, Chris has a handful of tools that we've used today that I have a couple floating around in the shop. And I know that Jim has a few in the blacksmithing area. And I didn't know what they even did. (laughs) <laughs> you can look at them and go, okay, I think this is how this tool is supposed to be used. Chris has used them more than I have. And just being able to see what it does to the metal, right? And go, oh, man, I can think of 15 different ideas I could do with that thing. Mm-hmm. Typically, yeah. it would be used specifically for this one fullering technique or the yeah. swaging yeah. technique. But what if you start adding that to a thing that you've already manipulated. So then you're adding manipulation to manipulation. And then you're really starting to get into a more unique form because if you're just die stamping everything, then of course it will look exactly like everybody that's die stamped it that way becomes more unique and a little bit more creative and a little bit more engaging to see how far you can push it in that direction before things, you know, actually break like we may or may not have done today too. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody, somebody's like, that's all mild steel. And you're like, great. No, 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 I never said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was really but, funny. We just absolutely so, broke a piece. Yeah. You were like, oh, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he made a comment about a, a swedge tool. And he says, I've seen that tool a hundred times. Never knew what it did. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I had so, no idea. And we just, we just got one. So actually getting to see somebody use it. I now have options in my head of uh, things I'd like to try out with it, like creative projects that I could see that being beneficial to me. Honestly, the first thing that came to mind was, Steve, you know specifically what I'm talking about, but it's a U-shaped swage tool, top tool. And it would be like if you wanted to make a feather with the actual quill down the center of it, it creates that little ridge. Had I known what this tool did and know how, like, seen it used properly, I would have forged a feather and tried to do that in it instead of yeah. forge building it like I did in the video. <laughs> so, <laughs> getting to learn those tools not only opens more options for me, but it gets my brain rolling a little bit more to realize that there, there are even less limitations than I thought there were before. Not that I yeah. know everything and I have tons and tons to learn going forward, but like Al, I I think Al was the one specifically that brought it up before, but. It's like you don't know what giving a welder could change, could absolutely change somebody's life because they might end up not just using it for welding. They, they've got 50 other ideas that they come up with. And so you haven't just benefited their lives on being able to join metal. You've you've changed their entire approach to the way that they build and make things. So it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning in terms of what you do. But you're you're giving people the options to unleash creativity right. for kind of a cliche term, yeah. but it, it's a beautiful thought to, to know that you're doing that for the community, being able to see it firsthand in terms of what we're doing today is a really nice reminder of how that works right. to just go, Oh God, that's what it felt like the first time I saw somebody punch a hole through steel. It's like, <laughs> how that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to do that without right. a drill. And they go, well, no, that's what people did before drills. And you yeah. go, oh, my God, there was a time before drills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you boys think in terms of, in terms of, I would like to turn this into a little bit of a, of a community magnifying glass in terms of 
Have you guys ever received anything or, or kind of as a favor received any tool or knowledge that you can specifically say really changed your entire approach to, you know, your life or making things or, or that it benefited you way more than you thought it would. I, th- I think, um, even what you're saying, Chris, just like letting guys in the shop and just sit and watch you. I think it's just fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? Like prior to this, I would have thought like a, a blacksmith shop would be a really kind of like secure place where like, you know, you can't have people in who don't know what they're fucking doing because they're going to hurt themselves. or it's dangerous. or it's loud, blah, blah, blah. But it obviously isn't. And I've been in and like they're great <laughs> spaces, but it's the same as like a wood shop or anything like that. You know, as long as it's not shit flying around off a lathe or it's like you're going to get hurt. Right. I, I love being in that space where you can either just watch somebody or ask questions um, and to your point, Brett, like there's not really been specific, like somebody handed me a chisel and it was like, you know, the greatest thing ever. I mean, when, when I did, I did ever. <laughs> I've chosen you. <laughs> Everything's a chisel. Right. Um, right. but the, the, when I did, when I did get a hand plane, when I came down to Yandles, when I saw Steve, that was like kind of a weird moment. Cause I'd never used one before. Yeah. And just using that, I was suddenly like, Oh shit, I can just shape wood. I can do what I want. And the same with like spoke shave and stuff. But um, I think one of the real defining moments for me was when I was at the makerspace in Leeds. So like the the like area where you can just go and use tools and shit. Um, and it's open to the public. And I went in and a dude told me how to use the machine lathe. Nice. And the, it, there was just this like penny dropping moment where I'm like, fuck, I can make like tools now. I can make yeah. actual things that aren't like held together with duct tape or hot glue. Like this is real now. Like I, I, I'm, I'm capable now of making stuff. Um, and just that ability to like machine metal. And you can make real knobs. I can make real knobs. You know, <laughs> it's like quite different to, to, to smithing in, in terms of like what you're saying, Chris, it's a more organic approach and you can kind of persuade the metal to do what you want it to do. Right. But, but just being on a machine lathe and this like kind of accuracy, but also, I don't know. It was the first time I ever felt like I'd made something proper. Yeah. <laughs> Properly. Um, but like, the, you know, wood, you can just fucking mush together and you can persuade and you can bend. But like just, just turning steel, turning aluminium, getting it to like, you know, thousand within thousandth of an inch and, and just becoming this real thing. That was a moment. And somebody just gave up their time to show me. Yeah. You know, it was it was somebody passing on their skills, their knowledge. He was like a gnarly, like old machine dude, you know, like he had like grease in every orifice and he was like <laughs> you know he'd, he'd, he'd been doing it and it was just a hobby you know it wasn't it wasn't that wasn't his job or anything yeah and he, mean, was, he, he was super happy to show me like he was getting a buzz off teaching like a younger guy yeah you know this is how you do this this is how you change this this you know this chuck is for this you know and all the tools and stuff getting super excited about it and now i know when i go in there look at that wall i've got a bit of an idea of what the shit does yeah i mean i, I how long has it been oh sorry go ahead steve I, I, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I fucking, I love that. And I think that's that's a really good way of putting it as well, is the fact that it's not just about the uh, the, the physical actual tool or bit of machinery mm-hmm. or whatever. It's the, it it's that little bit of knowledge, that little bit of inspiration. Like I, to, to kind of bring it on to my one, like I, I'm very, very fortunate. I grew up, um, grew up on a farm. I grew up around tools. I didn't. He was a doorman. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I grew up on a farm. I grew up around tools. I, I, I worked that uh, that sold tools. So I ended up ha- being able to get access to a lot mm. of tools at very, very little um, in very, very little terms of cost. Um, 
so it wasn't ever a case of of needing at all to to change the way that i i work and, and things like that um and i was by as i was before i got into the community i was buying tools as i needed them for different things like doing up cars and, and so on and so forth so like in terms of someone giving me a tool there wasn't there's again it, there's not like that sort of moment but um but i did have one kind of similar recently um when i went to see jim after i've been up at uh, hours i stopped in and saw jim from wave cycles and saw his lathe and the thing is is you see the stuff that jim makes on a lathe and in my head it was always this because i it, it, i've seen his big massive cnc and, and things like this but i've never really seen his lathe and i was in my head i was always like oh yeah so it's like a yeah you know, big freestanding one and I, I know he wants to upgrade to a bigger one but no 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 it's a little tiny ridiculous like it's like this old Tony's mini lathe. Yeah. It's it's a tiny little thing, and uh, and the same with his little mill. And um, and seeing the stuff that he's made using those two little tools, and going, oh, oh fuck! So I don't need to like have a huge, massive six foot bed lathe to be able to do those sorts of things. It's 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 all because it's all little tiny intricate stuff. And like the fact that you know he 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 can do threads and stuff like that on it. It's like oh fuck this is this is game changing like i i don't need to clear a massive space in my shop to to put a lathe in i could get a little lathe and that would actually do all the things that i wanted to do um so yeah i think it's it's more kind of going back to what al said it's it's more kind of like that being able to get in someone's shop and and just see how things are done i think i think someone someone opening your eyes yeah or just 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 showing you that one thing that makes you realize something is way more powerful than like a, yeah, a tool definitely. like just go to someone here's a tool yeah like great <laughs> yeah do i know what it's for do i know the potential of it do i know how to use it maybe not yeah. um i could learn but I'd, I'd rather i'd much rather someone give me that that little nugget of information or that little yeah. that little push or that little bit of inspiration yeah because there's, there's this weird thing and it gets worse with um youtube because even though you see someone you know, you see the process of someone making something on YouTube. You just kind of assume, oh, well, they've they've got all this experience. They've got all, you know, they've got that tool or they've got whatever. And you you don't really necessarily make the connection that they're just someone in a shed making something. <laughs> and and like, yeah, because I've seen it with um, with people that do really really nice woodworking. It's kind of like you see them take off this, like buy this bit of wood. They'll go into their shed, and then a week later they come out, and it's this fantastic thing and it's it's that connection of how that actually works and how that actually happens like um like wood turning for example until i'd actually seen someone doing it and i just seen someone go oh yeah you just stick it in and it's fine like to me it, it was another dark art and it was it was really hard to to kind nope. of get my head around <laughs> what are you noping about now <laughs> The thing is, I, when you're in thumbnail form, I can't see you. All I can see is the microphone. And then every so often, Chris's smile just appears on camera. <laughs> Al, how, Al, how long ago were you at that makerspace where the guy showed you how to turn uh, It was just before Christmas last year. Have you been back since? Uh, I have been back a bit since, but he wasn't there. Because ah. <laughs> so everybody's just there at random times. Like it, like I go in the, It's open 24 hours, so I like going in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. Yeah, but you're not allowed to use shit if you're on your own. Oh, they have, so they, they, have, have, they like, have like really strict rules. Like if if you're on your own, you're not allowed to use like any power power tools, right? Um, so like basically, I'm like trying to time it so I can go back when he's there. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. is it like a is it like an open warehouse filled with tools? Absolutely, can... yeah. But they, they have all sorts of shit. They have like uh, soldering stations and like screen printing bits and like coding and 
3D printers. Like a lot of it's like very geeky, very nerdy. Okay. But then they have like a machine shop where there's there's like a lot of cool metalworking and woodworking tools as well. And how long has that been available? To um, it's I think it's been open a couple of years. I think they moved. Um, they were at a previous place and it was it it was all just 3D printing and that kind oh. of side of it. But then they've moved to the new space and they've they've got this 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 new shop. But like a lot of the stuff in there is really dodgy. Like all the power tools are really ropey and shit and they've not been looked after. Um, but then there's just this one machine lathe, which is like actually works really well. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's probably, it's probably the best thing in there. But as I say, like I can only, I can only go when this dude's in there. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it's, it's a, they're, they're great spaces. Um, I don't know if they, if they have them in like in, in places near you, Chris. Um, I there's, there's, I'm assuming there's one in Bristol, Steve. There's yeah, there's a hack space in Bristol. Yeah. I've I've not managed to get in there when they've been uh, open because they're not twenty four hours. There's like set opening times for it. Right, but Is yeah, they're they're, they're they're fucking they're really cool. It's called a hack space. Yeah, maker space. Yeah. I, I don't know. They, they all have different names. Like yeah, sometimes they're owned by like one big group of people around the country, but it can be anywhere. Because a hack over a hack over here is pretty derogatory. We're going to a hack space. Come to this hack space. You can fuck up everything. <laughs> Hence the name of my channel. It was yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I am a hack. But yeah, no, but the like hacking in the UK is like um like tinkering, you know, like fiddling yeah. with shit. Yeah. Well, I think the the hack one, it started out because it's a bit more of a uh computer based one. Yeah. That's where it kind of goes. Ah, okay. So, why don't you bring up the example of the the young man yesterday? Young man, here and you've shared knowledge. Oh, young man. Oh, there has uh, there's two younger gentlemen that I've just recently met, and I looked at them as and to give you an idea, they were 13 and 17, and the 13 year old comes in the other night with his mother to buy a vice because he wanted his first vice and and uh, he wanted it. It was I was making these vice stands out of scrap where it was a three quarter inch base plate, uh, two foot by two foot. So they were pretty stout when the whole thing was together. They weighed about 300 pounds. Right. And uh, he comes in and I'm like, oh, this is a kid going to buy his first blacksmith vice and come to find out. I told he was at the hammer in yesterday making a knife, which by the end, me and me and Brett cut out kind of early as, as you know, we left around five, but they usually stay all night. But this kid was making a knife and it turned out relatively nice. I told Brett, I said, this kid's 13. He's been going to blacksmith school for four years. And he came to my shop and I thought he was just like this little young kid that was just starting out and come to find out he's going to a blacksmith school every single weekend his mom drives him three and a half hours away to go to this blacksmith <laughs> and i told him i was like you want to come over and hang out one weekend and i'm thinking to myself like you could probably teach me a whole lot <laughs> 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 you're 13 and you've for four years but he just based on this example we're talking about somebody sharing knowledge or, or being that kind of spark of inspiration that clearly had to come from somewhere uh for that kid yeah and the way he translated or the way that that can translate into the next generation or yeah. a, a new friend, a new acquaintance or something. Um, my, my first witnessing of what this kid ended up being declared as in terms of like going to school for this long, he's walking around with Carrie, who's the owner of the shop. And 
the kids walking around, Carrie's grabbing him a couple of tools and everything like that. And I go, Oh man, it's so cool. You know, there's like some young bucks here trying to get into it. And he goes, Oh, do you have a hammer that I can use? And Carrie's like, yeah, sure. And he picks up three or four of these hammers and they're all one, maybe two pounds or something. He goes, you have anything bigger? I was like, oh no, the kid's gonna get like a giant hammer because he wants to, he thinks big hammer equals big, big go do good work. Yeah, yeah. No, he took a probably two and a half or three pound oh, hammer yeah. and just beat the crap out he of it. And, and he hammered us. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just having that moment of being like, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it's not, it's not necessarily the age, it's not necessarily the, the competency that you you know we've talked about it plenty of times. Just because you've been driving a car for fifty years doesn't make you an F one racer. It just means that you have you know generic competency in it. Right. What what this young man has done in four years is probably leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of other people that are trying it as a hobby. It's yeah. the way that he translated it from whatever inspired him that is really amazing to see. Because clearly, even at his young age and with a few years of experience it's easy to recognize that he's doing a better job as somebody who does it as, as kind of hobby, but something I'm passionate about. I looked at his first few strikes on the steel and I was like, Oh crap, he's doing great. That is the right size hammer. He knows what he's doing. I was like, Oh my God, that is amazing. The fantastic thing about it was I got to meet his mother and father and they were 100% behind him. I actually met his mother first before I met the father and the mother said, I will spend as much money on this stuff as he wants because <laughs> he's not sitting in front of his television playing yeah. video games like every other 13-year-old <laughs> right now. He actually wants to go out and get dirty and make stuff. And I was like, that is like the most fantastic. And, and that will happen every, maybe I'd say twice a year, I'll get a young kid in there like that. And, you know, their their father will bring them in and say they do fantastic in school and all they want to do is be out in the shop making stuff. So whatever he wants in here, I'm going to buy it for him. And I'm like, that is that that's a good incentive to me. I mean, <laughs> if you're willing to put in the work and make stuff, make stuff. And, you know, I think that buying tools as opposed to video games is a great incentive for a, a 13 or 14 year old kid do good in school and i'll buy you this big giant blacksmith by <laughs> i'm getting straight a's from yeah. here on <laughs> I, I i love the idea that, that it, like i said a minute ago it's not the age thing you know it's it's a great example to look at this young young man doing right. what he's doing but that same kind of example can exist in somebody that's 50 or 60 years old. You know, the guy that showed up earlier yeah. today who right. wants to get into it because he's retiring. He He's not the most energetic. He's not near as, as spry as that young man is, but right. he, was, spry. he was just as engaged about it. And he wanted to watch and see how things worked. And he wanted to look at the power hammer. And so that, that, clearly can translate to the right people. And I think honestly, that's what we're all trying to do with this. I mean, you're obviously trying to put hands or put tools in the hands of people that want to use them. I think the reason that we do the kind of silly stuff that we do is to hopefully spark a little bit of that inspiration is a bit overused. I know, but it, it kind of is the right term. Yeah. You want to, you want to get somebody's fire ignited a little bit to go oh my god i didn't even think that i could do that or that seems so much more manageable or i didn't think i could do that without this proper expensive tool or something yeah it's true yeah i think think that 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 not fear of the unknown but like 
it, there's a confidence thing. Like, you know, I didn't think I would ever be able to machine something until someone showed me. And it only took him like an hour. And then I'm like, fuck, I can do this. You know, it's like, it's not this weird, complicated, dark art. I think everything we're doing is uh, like a combination of complicated, like simple things that become a complicated thing. But just somebody teaching you that one simple thing. Like when when uh, Seaside Rick came to visit me and showed me how to use a router, like I've never used a fucking router before. <laughs> and it just seemed like this scary, loud, spinny thing that like was for detailing wood. But actually, no, it's fucking brilliant. You can use it for cutting shit out. You, it's like a handheld CNC. You know, <laughs> it was great. And, you know, he showed me the basics, showed me what to do, what not to do. Gave up some like a couple of hours of his time, but all of a sudden I've I've now got the ability to do that, yeah. and it's like it, it's unbelievable the power that can have. Just just it might be trivial to you. You might think like, oh yeah, everyone knows how to cook steak properly. It's like no, maybe they don't. <laughs> Teach them. Yeah, I, <laughs> four yeah. minutes both sides. <laughs> Let her can Let it rest. I mean, salt and pepper. <laughs> no salt and pepper. Because that's the thing is it's not a case of of showing someone how to do. Like it's not a case of of making sure that you know you go in and you train someone to be the best whatever it is that you do. It's a case of just showing them the bare minimum. Yeah, the absolute <laughs> bare minimum. Teach, the teach everyone the bare minimum, <laughs> and but allowing them to then go off and explore it on their own. It's yeah. it's like teaching. You know, you, you, if it's that whole thing about uh, need to learn to walk before you can run, and and it is. It's just kind of showing people that that's possible that's that's doable that's achievable and and then they can they can go off and they can expand on it and and do whatever they want to do well it's, i i had an image just pop in my head when you said that steve it's like you you gotta walk before you can run but then there's people that decide that running is their favorite thing and then they do it in the olympics so <laughs> it's all about that translation. yeah they're like i learned to walk and then i learned how to run and then i got good at running and then i just ran the rest of my life i was yeah. running. i was running but, but but it's a really good way to look at it and see if i agree and it's it's we've talked about it before as well with the education and versus teaching or however you want to translate those two words but i love the idea that you know you can you can teach somebody how to multiply numbers together, but educating something and then and then working with them to to push that education further along or see what translates through to them. You know, Al's brought it up plenty of times that he, he didn't like school because of the rigidity of it and the, the methodology, but he can he can stand in front of a machinist that shows him how to use a lathe and it just unlocks something, you know, yeah. there was nothing in school in maths to necessarily make you get really, really into mathematics. I only got into mathematics for a while. I was, I was really into it because I went into physics and physics was applied mathematics where there was a little bit more realism to it. And then I actually got really, really interested in how you could figure out, mass and velocity of things because they mattered at that point. Yeah. And prior to that, I remember just memorizing multiplication tables and going, this is dumb, <laughs> really dumb. <laughs> and then every teacher telling me I would never just carry a calculator around with me. And now all of our phones do it. Yeah. But th that's the thing. Is it some case of just getting those, those building blocks, kind of those foundations laid and letting someone build their own, their own house, their own story on on those building blocks um, rather than rather than saying this is exactly how you do it. This is how you create a work of art. It's about, yes, I know. Fucking hell, I've been trying to get to that fucking ages. I've been trying to go to Smithy for half an hour. Fuck's sakes, Brett. 
Yeah, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> So well, I'm trying anyway, to do this nice anyway, segue, and you're there going like, ah, like I wonder trigger. How long we've been <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, it's so thing. <laughs> People that we think that are spiffing. Cabs, cabs. Chris, Al, Brett, Steve. Uh, oh, that's the order. I'm going to cut in from there. So, Chris, you're going first. I'm going first. I am going to spiff <laughs> Matt Harris from Harris. Matt, why are you making from Harris Metal <laughs> Studios? Matt has uh, uh, talking about inspiration and uh, um, you know. Uh, helping people out. Matt has been a a very good friend of mine. He's an artist blacksmith in the Maryland area. He's the one that inspired me to start blacksmithing, kind of going down the path that I'm going down and um, uh, not so much as far as selling tools, but um, just the artistry of blacksmithing and metalworking and all that. Uh, Matt Harris from Harris Metalsmith Studios on Instagram is Harris Metalsmith. Nice. nice. That's it. Cool. Uh, Cabs, Al. Yeah, um, just on to what I was talking about earlier. Um, obviously, I received my Make a Knife off Jacko, but I think just with what we've talked about on the episode in terms of getting things in people's hands, inspiring people, um, the fact that it's all engineered by him and kind of he worked everything out and all the mechanisms and shit, I think it's just a really interesting Really interesting tool and really interesting object, but I just love what Jacko's doing and I wish him all the best with his new shop and shit. Yeah, that's a good shot. Brett. Yeah. Um, I'm going to spiff Ilya. What's his last name? No, no. (laughs) On on Instagram, on Instagram, it's Slavic, at Slavic Smith. Oh, I don't even want to try to pronounce that. Alexiev. Oh, Ilya Alexiev. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, he, I, I know it's specifically because he took the time to chat with me yesterday, but I was watching him work on the Man at Arms channel, and since that has come to pass, um, he and Matt started their own channel, which is, you know, it's different. It's much different. If you were a fan of Man at Arms, it, it may not necessarily be your speed, but... Ilya is not only extremely talented, but especially after meeting him and talking to him yesterday, I learned a lot from watching him and rewatching videos. And towards the end, they started doing a lot more explanations and a lot more process. And if I've met anybody at this point that cares more about the process and doing it, I won't say the right way, but a way that has been proven to work for years. Somebody that really cares about the quality of things more than the quantity and the approach and the the knowledge of it rather than just like getting to the end game as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. Everything that he talked about me yesterday to take the time with, in, with me, who he doesn't know, it was just, it was really invigorating to have him share knowledge with me so openly like he really doesn't care he just wants to be able to help and share his what he's learned and and give it away to people and also because he's russian or 
Slavic. He's Slavic. Slavic. I, 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 yeah, it's like Slovenia. Yeah. Um, so the things that he is bringing over from his teachings and the, the machines that he's worked with back in the day, he's traveled a lot to learn uh, from other master smiths. And so I feel like he's bringing a different dynamic over to the States and, and he's a real wealth of knowledge and super willing to share. So good guy, Slavic Smith on Instagram. And it's that works is the channel that he's on right now. But honestly, like yeah, watch what he's doing on his personal work. It's, it's really, really high quality stuff. Cool. Yeah. Really good shout. Um, and keeping in the tradition of names that we can't pronounce, uh, I am going to spiff Pete, uh, who is actually uh, Piotr 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 Kolinsky. Kolinsky. Yeah, what Al said uh, from uh, Craftotech used to be uh, Pete's Bunkers Handicraft, something like that. Um, but yeah, Pete is super awesome, lovely guy. Um, really, really, uh, keen to, to kind of get knowledge out there and, and help people out. Does lots of very, very cool stuff is just in general, a really nice lad. Um, gave me a welder. Also gave, uh, Al a welder and I, I might be, I've not actually spoken to him about this, but I might be giving him a welder. Ooh. Um, with the idea being that he can either have it himself or fix it up and, and pass it on or sell it or do something with it because uh, Don't say restore. Yeah. I'm not going to say restore because you can't restore things. Eric told me you can't restore things. It's impossible. No, he said uh, yeah. specifically you can't restore things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works as well. Uh, right. Is there any other business? Um, yeah, go and watch. Uh, I don't think we talked about it last week. Go and watch uh, Love, Death, you and Robots on Netflix. Mother, <laughs> psych! <laughs> what a bastard! Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Go watch Love, Death, Robots on Netflix. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. Even if Al did fall asleep, it was that good. Mind. I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've I've actually finished watching them all now, and I'm definitely planning on going back and rewatching them all because they were really, really good. Um. Yeah. Uh, what about you two? No. No. no? Okay. No. 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 <laughs> no that's okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I could just see Brett's hand again. Uh, cool. Uh, if you want to get hold of, in fact, Chris, do you want to tell where, everyone where they can find you on the internet? And you don't forget me? to include your YouTube. Uh, no, I don't, I don't really have a YouTube channel. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You've got more views than me and Al put together. It's... And me put together. <laughs> <laughs> One video. No, the best. No, no, no. You gotta tell the best comment. I'm oh, gonna tell oh, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. tell him about okay, the best yeah. comment. Go ahead. So we're at dinner last night, and Chris is reading some of the comments that he's gotten on his video. The guy says, "Uh, this guy puts one video up on his channel, gets seven thousand subscribers, and then doesn't upload anything else. <laughs> what a legend!" Which is honestly one of the most app descriptions of what just happened it's like <laughs> absolutely struck gold with that video because it's very cool and it's very yeah. chris but yeah he's almost <laughs> at a million views on it and then it's just like yeah whatever i don't care to get to a million views i'm gonna delete the account delete the video <laughs> <laughs> it never existed no so on instagram it's mount 
uh, Philip Metalworks. Uh, no there's, there's, there's some no underscores way. and stuff in there. It's not Phillips. It's Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with YouTube. I did one video on YouTube on how to do the dragon twist, which was taught to me by Matt Harris. And uh, yeah. And who named it? And uh, Brett may or may not have said they look like dragon scales. So I went with the dragon oh. twist. And yeah. Still waiting on residuals. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm going to put out more. um, I'm going to put out more videos. It's just not a, it's not a uh, top priority for me. I I did it with the intention of uh, helping the uh, Instagram community more or less is what it boiled down to. That's the whole reason the video went out there. And it just happened to go viral a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah. that's all awesome. yeah so it's been it's been cool when i was getting contacted by all these weird websites and yeah <laughs> yeah that's the joke again yeah uh cool uh, if you want to get hold of the rest of us, uh, you can find us in all the usual places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Well, uh, if you want to get hold of us as a group, you can find us uh, on the internet at fwtpodcast.com. What the fuck is the internet? Or you can find us on Facebook at uh, In the Fools with Tools group. Uh, yeah, go do those things because that's good. And see you at Maker Central. Things are good. Things are good. And yes, see you at Maker Central. Uh, if you're not going to be there, then well, uh, we won't see you. Are you going to be there, Chris? The dog's going. What? Yeah, the dogs. What? Am I doing what? I'm sorry. Are you coming to make a central? No, I am not. Oh, no, I am well, not. Well, we're going to end on a sad note then. So, <laughs> bye. bye. Jamie Reader says I'm the dad of the podcast, so fuck all of you. <laughs> <laughs>